Come join us for our first album review as we discuss Metallica's SNM2 in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hi everyone, this is Travis, and today I'm joined by... John Dotson. And Tim. And today we're going to review Metallica's latest album, SNM 2. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that you know, every month or so we do a playing and watching, but occasionally we'll toss in uh, stuff we've been listening to. But I don't think we've ever done like a full-on album review for an episode, so this is a nope. first for us. We're, it's our first, yep. Uh, I know at least John and I were super stoked about this album. Uh, I've been a Metallica fan since I was literally eight years old, when back in like 1989 I heard Injustice for All, and so, you know, I'm... I was a tiny little metal head, and I've never stopped loving Metallica, even through their Napster days. <laughs> so I'm really excited to be reviewing... Napster bad. <laughs> I'm really excited to be re- reviewing SNM 2 today with you all. Um, SNM 2 was the sequel to the first SNM that was uh, released back in 99 um, with the San Francisco Symphony. This one was recorded... Well, it was filmed and performed in September of 2019 released theatrically in October of 2019, and then they said, we're going to have an album out in February. Well, that didn't happen. We had to wait a while. And then COVID happened, and shipping delays happened, so John, I know you lucked out and got yours a little bit earlier, but like, mine was like way into September before I got it, and I was so excited. I think I got mine three weeks earlier than you. Right, I know. And I just got the CD slash blu-ray it yeah. should be a crime that i got my three weeks <laughs> earlier than someone that bought the ultra deluxe right to the nines version you guys they could do i've felt so bad for you <laughs> yeah they had um they had a a big like production delay because of covid so their deluxe vinyl set that had the the vinyl the dvd or the like, blu-ray rather and the cd all in one that got so heavily delayed and they kept sending out these weekly reminders like hey we're gonna get this out to you next week and then next week became next week and over and over again but finally got it in my hands and had to listen through so um glad to get through this with you all so let's jump right in on our thoughts with snn2 uh tim how about you start us off i'm not sure what your relationship with metallica has been over the years so um why don't you start off with telling us that, like how, like how much of a fan of Metallica you were before this, and then what you think about the album. So I kind of became a Metallica fan later in life. Uh, growing up, I was in a fairly conservative household, and so Metallica was frowned upon. And then even after uh, I kind of, you know, started branching out into my own musical interests, it uh, wasn't, uh, you know, for it was a little while before I came around to uh, Metallica. Since then, though, I've become a pretty big fan of theirs, and especially of the S&M album, you know, the first one. Uh, that one's been 
you know, pretty heavily rotated in my MP3 collection. So when I heard that they were making a second one, I was really excited. I did not buy the uh, versions that you guys did. I'm lame and I just listen to it on streaming. <laughs> I, I don't even own it. I just listen to it on Amazon Music. But having said that, I've listened through it multiple times since it's come out and I love it a lot. All right, John, how about you? So like Tim, I grew up in a very um, religious family as well. They didn't take hip to the fact that I, you know, liked was into Metallica. So I kind of, you know, I remember taping Nirvana and Metallica on the radio. I remember my sister like turning me in for it. John recorded Nirvana <laughs> on the radio. Uh, so I had to like sly record that. Um so my first introduction to Metallica was really through the Black Album. Um, anything before that, you know, literally, guys, the only things that we listened to before that stuff was like gospel quartets. And so I'm, I'm not even kidding you guys. Like, so it was the Black Album that got me into Metallica. And then through the 90s, I, I load and reload, obviously, because I, I my parents sort of let my music taste go, you know, in high school, which I'm really happy they did because uh, gospel music is not my thing anymore uh, <laughs> at all. I just don't. It's just not my thing. You don't rock uh, out to the newsboys still? Yeah, uh, uh, that's not gospel. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I mean, like quartets like moving on up, moving on up, right, right, right. Relent. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we listen to, dude. Uh, newsboys is so much better than that. Um, but no, no, I don't listen to modern newsboys at all. But um. Wow, that was the th- I just lost it. Anyways, so um so I know, so there's recently, so much I need to add on to that. I, I know, I know, I know. I, let's just not go down that rabbit hole. So you know, I really enjoyed the 90s era Metallica a lot. Now I remember in high school kids are like, oh, you know, Metallica sucks because you know that this stuff's more alternative. And and I agreed that it's really different um than the stuff that came before it, but I still really like it a lot. Um and then later on in life, I, I you know, I, I so I, I really enjoyed everything from the black on upwards to Metallica. And I got all their, you know, I've got every Metallica. Album. I don't think I have Garage Inc. or Garage Inc. 2, but I've got everything else. Um, and um, in the last five years, I bought all of Metallica's uh, albums before uh, the black album, because, again, it's an era that I totally missed. Um, so we're talking about Kill 'Em All. We're talking about Justice for All, Master of Puppets. Um these albums are fantastic. I, I love it. I, I think um, Master of Puppets might be one of the one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, I, I it's just chef's kiss good. And my son loves it. He loves Master of Puppets as a song and stuff like that. And but, but Man, with you're you, raising Tim, that kid right. Listen, I know. To Master <laughs> of Puppets. Like, good he job. loves it. He loves it. He loves it. You know, when, when we listen, when we watch it and we're driving in the car, I can see his head bobbing back there. He likes it a lot. Um but, you know, Tim, like you, I think the original S&M, you know, is one of the greatest Metallica albums ever written. I think it's really, really good. So overall, my thoughts on S&M, too, I kind of have a relation to the original, you know, how I listen to Metallica music. But I would say that it's hard to talk about S&M, too, without talking about S&M. And so I want to sort of talk about that right now, which is um, if I have one critique for the original S&M album and I don't have very many of them, it's that. Um, S&M is a balls to the wall album of let's just tear through our catalog with the orchestra. And it's amazing. 
However, it feels like they only have one setting on that album and it's 211. You know what I mean? And I don't and and I think that when you listen to that album or when I listen to that album and it's over what an hour and a half or something like that, Travis, maybe two hours almost. Um, it gets a little fatiguing because, again, there's no it just seems like they're just like rocking their asses off and it's amazing. And so I think that S&M 2 is an improvement over S&M because it's elder statesmen of rock kind of collaborating with the San Francisco Orchestra, right? So not only are they saying, hey, you know, we're going to bring back some classics again. We're going to bring back the Ecstasy of Gold. We're going to bring back a lot of songs that really worked great on SNM, but we're actually going to lean into what the orchestra, the San Francisco Orchestra does, and we're just going to have them play music, which is in our wheelhouse, like Iron Foundry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just like actual song, you know, like actual orchestral songs. And then not only that, but they also kick off the second part with um, <clears throat> Pulling Teeth, which is probably one of the best versions of that song I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do The Unforgiven 3. So they don't even do The Unforgiven, which is what I thought they would have done, right? Because that would be a pull from the original S&M. But they do Unforgiven 3, and it's just the orchestra and and singing which is maybe my favorite version of that song maybe now it's incredible so another thing that was surprising about snm2 was how much they lean into um the latest full release metallica album hardwired to self-destruct i didn't think they were going to lean into that album as much as they did there are a lot of hardwired songs on snm2 and they're incredible on SM2. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes Hardwired better in listening to it. I don't know how, but I think it does. And they also pull a song off of um what's that album that they get the most crap for? Oh, what is it called? Uh Saint Saint Anger. Magnetic. Oh, Saint Anger. Saint, okay. No, no, they don't get a lot of crap for Death and Magnetic. They get the most crap, I think, for Saint Anger. And they pull all within my hands off of Saint Anger. And it works so well on this. It's like they, they basically realize that, like, we're going to take all of our material from when SM came out and we're going to do a lot of it in SM, too. And we're not going to ignore any of it. Um, And I and I think that was a, I, I don't know why they like all within my hands really works well in SM, too. But I almost don't understand why they did it, because it seems like modern Metallica almost ignores that album. And I don't think they should, because I think it's an incredible album. So I'm glad they did it. But um well the, i have a, an answer to that question for you if you'd oh, like okay, it right now okay yeah please go ahead go so ahead. they have uh, a charity called all within my hands oh and they are. had an album that came out uh, last year called live at the masonic it was an all acoustic okay. show Interesting. and that arrangement of all within my hands debuted at that show okay. and people fucking loved it so i'm yes. i wasn't surprised at all to see it show up okay. with the orchestra behind it and it was fantastic with the orchestra behind it too yeah i mean i would have i would have loved to have seen like frantic or saint anger maybe but always, I mean, because I, I don't know, I, I frantic would have been insane, probably too insane for SM2 or something. I don't know. That would have been crazy. But but um, 
I, I just really appreciate how they um, they didn't just play all the stuff from SM, although they did. And I think if there is one light critique I'm going to give SM to, is it repeats a lot of beats from the first album. Um, and they're not bad beats at all. Right. Because if you look at the people, if you if you're watching the the, the show and I watch the Blu-ray, um, the people in that audience are the most hardcore Metallica fans ever. Right. I mean, everyone's right. like singing right. along with everything and it's great and they're having a good time. So they, they 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 built the right set list for that audience. I mean, the audience loved every second of it. And I loved every second of S&M, too. But maybe I would have taken a few more risks. But look, they took enough here. It's great. They they basically cleaned up all of the, you know, any critiques that I had with the first one. And if you just want a balls to the wall album with the with the orchestra, you got SM, right? And SM2 is uh it's more it's like they're thinking about their catalog more. It's like they're existing with it in a new way, which I really, really appreciate. And yeah, like I said, they're elder statesmen of rock in I mean, what I can assume is, you know, I mean, as much as I love Metallica, I mean, this these are the last years of Metallica, right? You know, I um, hope not, but you're probably right. You're probably no, right. I know, dude, I, I, I don't want them. I don't want I want them to be around forever. But let's got we got to be honest with yeah. reality. Right. Yeah. And 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 um, hardwired and S&M, too. And if these are some of the last albums we're going to get from Metallica, fucking amazing. And I'm so happy that it exists. Agreed. I'm, I'm going to start with my critiques, I think, and then like move on from there. And I don't have that many of them. Uh, John, you kind of hit one of them and I'm going to go at it in a different way. Like you mentioned that, you know, they redid a lot of the same stuff they did with S and M one and they did. And I totally get why they did, but Michael Kamen is unfortunately no longer with us. And I think that playing the stuff that Michael Kamen arranged along with the stuff that he did not arrange, kind of showed a little bit like a very slight dip in the quality of the orchestral arrangements there because Michael Kamen is an absolute genius. So like some of the newer stuff didn't feel like it fit as well. And I wondered if Michael Kamen would have done a better job with it. And again, that's a very minor criticism. Um, Another songs do you think maybe didn't? Because when I think of all the new stuff, I, for me, it seems like the highlight. It seems like a highlight of it, right? Because if I think about the, I, I, I'm thinking specifically about the arrangement for like Unforgiven Three, and I, right, you know what I mean. No, but that maybe, one, maybe yeah, there are that other songs that definitely not in my list of, uh, not in my mind when I'm thinking about that one. Um, right, right. I don't know. I'd say something like, um, like Moth into Flame and Halo One Fire didn't seem like they fit. Like some of the stuff off the new album, but. Unforgiven three, let's just go ahead and kick it over to that was the absolute highlight of the album for me. I was choked up toward the end of that. I I loved Unforgiven three and wow, this kind of blew my expectations of what that song could be out of the water. Just like the pure emotion that you could, that they, they pulled off with just the orchestra and James singing. And I think James was breaking up at the end of it too. I think if you, if you watch the the Blu-ray of it, like I think he was struggling to keep those last notes going because just, it was such uh, an emotional powerhouse. But my only other, only other critique was that some, sometimes the mixing seemed weird and that I, I, I mean, it's a live show. That's going to happen. I felt like S and M one was kind of always too heavy on the, 
on Metallica and not yeah. enough on yeah. the orchestra. But I feel like this went right. back and forth between the two. Like sometimes it was too heavy on the band. Sometimes it was too heavy on the orchestra. But uh, again, it's a live show. That's going to be really hard to nail down. But, you know, again, those are all incredibly minor critiques because this album was just like, Oh, this was the warm Metallica blanket to wrap myself up in as a fan for forever. This, uh, I don't, I don't think it, I think it may be on par with S and M one. And that's saying something because I thought S and M one was fantastic. Uh, I'm not a live album guy. I have trouble just listening to live albums, but these two, SNM one and two are the exception to that because the orchestra adds so much to it. It's not something that I want to always listen to, but I love having these different versions of the songs that are like expanded upon by somebody else listening to this and saying, here's what I could do with that. And just that, that collaboration between like thrash metal artists and classical music musicians is like it feels like it should never work, but it works so well, and I love it for that. Uh, John, you mentioned the 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 two classical pieces that they played. I, I I thought that the Scythian Suite was a bit of a lull. I mean, it was it was fun enough to listen to, but it felt like a lull in the whole thing. But the Iron Foundry, when the guys jumped in with them and were playing along, that was. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that side. Just you know, when Kirk was like, you know, that was. But no, that was that was a really cool performance. I'm sure whoever wrote Alexander Mosolov, who wrote the Iron Foundry, never expected his music to be performed quite like that. But yeah, no, that was really cool. And seeing the guy come out and play the Cliff solo, Anesthesia. Was I mean he shredded that thing. I mean it, he added a lot more to it than Cliff even did, and he he killed it. So I thought the second half kind of started off with a lot of experimentation that yeah was lacking on the first album a lot. Like you said, John, it was kind of yeah. balls to the wall from beginning to the end, and it was kind of nice to have some more. I guess uh, it gives you some breathing room between the acts in a way it's like separated by this kind of experimental stuff in the middle that was a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, but right. yeah, I'm going to listen to this and watch it so much. I imagine like I've listened to S and M two about 7,000 times and I can't wait to listen to this even more. Right. I, I think I want to add one more critique. Yeah, yeah, is I would have taken the, um, so I would have made two versions of this album. One is the version that you can watch on Blu-ray, and the other one would have been the, the version that you're going to listen to. And I would have taken Lars talking out of the version you're going to listen to. Um, because I think that when you add that talking into mm-hmm. um, any kind of album that you listen to, it drops the replayability down. Or you just have to skip th- that part. Right. Um, At least right? they kept Be- those as separate tracks so you can just skip through the intros yeah. really quickly. Or you can delete them off your iPhone or something. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, so, right. And also the album visually, um, uh, the, just the, the video of it is beautiful. It, they, I, I'm wondering where the 4k version of this, of this is like, they I didn't know. release one. I know. But I, I wish they it did. It almost feels like they have one or they record it in 4k. So 
yeah, I don't know if they're going to release it, but it's just visually it's incredible. And you can see these guys wrinkles uh, so well. Um, it's just amazing <laughs> HD. Man, so, man, stop depressing me with that shit. <laughs> I, I know. I, I love Metallica. I just had to, I love them so much. But, you know. Hello, podcast friends. This is John Dotson, host of Cheerful Ghost Radio and the creator of Tale of the White Wyvern. If you listen to this show, you might be a fan of Cheerful Ghost, and maybe you read the articles on our site. And I've also checked out our new text-based adventure mini-MMO, Tale of the White Wyvern. Cheerful Ghost is a scrappy indie community that makes awesome text games, and we'd love any support you can give us. Right now, if you head to Cheerful Ghost and hit the heart button, you have some incredible support options in that you can use to start in that you could donate a few dollars through PayPal. If you wanted to do a bit more, you can buy a Cheerful Ghost membership that gets you some great supporter perks on Cheerful Ghost, as well as unlock some member-only titles and alternative cosmetic weapon, armor, and hat sets in Tale of the White Wyvern, including the coveted horse armor. On top of the ability to donate a few dollars or get a Cheerful Ghost membership, we also have a Tale of the White Wyvern merch store so you can adorn yourself with the best-looking shirts and mugs from your favorite text adventure mini-MMO. I love the mug and personally use it, to, use it today to drink some coffee, which, you know, might be the best way to drink coffee. Might be the best way to drink coffee that was ever invented. Uh, at least I think so. Hopefully you do too. So we thank you for your support and only want you to donate or become a member or buy merch if you can swing it. So don't do anything that puts you in financial trouble, friend. So thanks again. And hopefully we can keep Cheerful Ghost independent through your continued support. So we've kind of touched on this already, but, um, you know, as far as all the Metallica albums as a whole are concerned, how do you think SNM two fits into that? How does it compare to the rest of the albums? Uh, John, why don't you kick us off? So I'm going to say that I now categorize these as the SNMs, right? Cause there are other Metallica live albums that I do not like. Um, I just like you, Travis, like there's only a couple bands that are just a couple live albums that I like. And these are so different that I really, uh, really put them on a different thing. So I would say that um, it, it, the original SNM and this one are really different. So I, I would say that they're they're really fun to listen to. But I would say that it's different in that just you, you take any normal Metallica album. And I would say one of the things they do well that a lot of other bands don't do well is each album is kind of its own it's got its own vibe and its own concept. Now they're not really big into concept albums, but like they, they all have a different flavor, especially their later albums. Um, very much have a really different, well, maybe load and reload. Not so much. They're kind of very similar, but, um, they all kind of have their own feel and flavor. And, you know, they took a lot of really different swings, um, with some different albums. So I would say that it holds up really well compared to other Metallica albums, because again, I mean, you don't get a lot of repeating stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, you have albums like um, Death Magnetic that kind of try to go back to their old earlier sound. You know what I mean? And to, to success, I would say, honestly. Um, but yeah, I I think it holds up really well. And, and I like that 
sort of um, that they're now doing, you know, a new live album with the orchestra when they haven't done one in a while since the 90s. So it's really nice. I I, I really look forward to their next album. I, I, I'm i I'm really curious to see how because they've said that they've recorded an entirely new album in quarantine and it wasn't this one um, or they're recording it right now. So I'm really curious what that's going to be. I, I, I don't know how quarantine is going to change the next Metallica album. You know, we've got um, hardwired, you know, which, you know, Travis and I've talked about offline and, you know, he kind of compares that a little bit to the load and reload days a little bit. And I agree. I think that's a fairish comparison there, but you know, it's, it's, it's a real hard hitting album now. I, so I don't know what we're going to get now. I mean, I, I'm really curious. I, I think I'm open for anything. And I think with Metallica now it's like, okay, well, where do you guys want to go? Um, I think that if this is the last Metallica album we ever got, I think it would be a really good way to send it off. Um, I hope there's more, but if if this was the last one, um, like I said, it's a really great way to end it. Tim, how about you? Yeah, so I, I think I mentioned that, you know, S&M was one of my favorite um, Metallica albums. And I would say I'd place this one right on par with it. It's right at the top of my list of favorite Metallica albums. Yeah, I I don't know where I put it. It's hard for me to kind of judge where I put live albums in relation to non-live albums because they're 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 kind of accomplishing a different thing. But I, I do think that this is on par with the original S and M. Um, but you know, in terms of trying to put it along with the rest of them, it's really tough. Uh, John, like you you mentioned. Like specifically, like my comparisons with uh, hardwired self-destruct with uh, load, the load reload era. And that's just that was just part of it, really. Like hardwired to self-destruct, I feel like was a kind of bookend. Like, I think that hardwired could have been like a finale to their whole career. And it would have been like, yeah. Yeah, this is agree. this is an example of everything that we have ever done right yeah. here. Like you have yeah. spit out the bone at the end of it, which is like the most thrash thing they've ever done. And then some of the stuff toward the middle that was kind of has some bluesy influence, like the load era. And I feel like this album, like you said, John is uh similar in that respect. Like it's the live, it could be the live send off um, where it's pulling together some of the best stuff they've ever done. And Travis, you know, one question for yeah, you. Well, this ahead. is a comment really. So Metallica has done a lot of live albums, like a lot, but one thing they've been trying to do recently is really do different stuff. You know what I mean? So they did S&M, which was really, really not something that a lot of bands did. You didn't see a lot of rock. Well, firstly, you saw no metal bands work with the symphony, but few rock bands even did it or pop bands even did it when they did it. Like a lot of other people started doing it, mm-hmm. which was yeah. really cool that they sort of started that. But and then uh, and then you see um, them with like through the never as a live album, which like mixes um, an actual film with a live album um, I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it, like, I, I, I don't know, like it, it, I really appreciate how they're trying to move with live albums and make them more than just, we're going to play a show, uh, and record it. Um, through the never got a lot of mixed reviews, but I thought it was really creative personally. Um, yeah, I did too. Yeah. Although they never play through the never at that show. Like, like how did they not include <laughs> that one song on <laughs> the album? It's a good song. They really <laughs> should have. Yeah. Yeah.
All right. So, uh, how do you, how would you guys rate S and M two on the ghost scale? This is the first time that we might have a must listen or must hear. I'm not even sure what we would call that. Uh, Tim, how about you start us off? Yeah, I'm going to make it a must listen. Um, I don't think that's much of a surprise, but it's just a fantastic album. Um, it's some of the best versions of these songs, in my opinion, like you, you owe it to yourself to listen to this. All right, John. So I'm going to rev- I'm going to pitch this um, from the perspective of someone who's heard a couple Metallica songs, maybe listen to an album or two and hasn't, you know, and it hasn't really caught up with the band recently. Um, S&M 2 is a good album to listen to because, you know, you've got access to it on YouTube or a streaming service. So it's not hard to access stuff. It's really easy to get music. And the reason why you'd probably want to go and listen to S&M 2 is because it not only does it like highlight like some of the best songs that Metallica's ever written, but it also like you're gonna hear um you're gonna hear like Master of Puppets. I have blanking on their hits right now. I don't know why. You're gonna hear uh songs like Enter Sandman. And you're also gonna get um a really cool smattering of their new stuff too. So um if you haven't heard Metallica in a bit or you're kind of like an old lapsed fan or something like that, uh SM2 is an album that can it'll, it'll help bring you back. You know, it's it's just a, it's an exploration of their old catalog and some of their new catalog and it really presents it in a really fun fun way that you can just listen to it as you work, you know, um at your house. So um and if you're a Metallica fan, I don't have to tell you, you've already you already listened to it. Uh, but I give it a must listen. I I have worn you can't wore out digital files or whatever, but I've worn this album out. I've listened to it so many times. It's gonna be on I'm gonna have it in my playlist until I'm dead. I mean, I I really think this album is that good. Um, and I'm really happy that uh, I was able to get it. So Pitchfork gave this a 5.2 out of 10 and, you know, clearly Pitchfork knows what they're talking about. So I've got to give this like a meh at best. So sorry, guys. 5.2. Okay. Well, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I Pitchfork gave this a what? A 5.2 out of 10. <laughs> well, that's really weird oh, that it's hell? not even a 50% given just the production value alone. I know. And the, I know. Like, like, I don't understand even how they came to that rating. Like how, 50, 50, like. There's got to be some indie trash album that they gave like at least a six. You know what I mean, too? Right. And right. it's not even close yeah. to the audio level. You know, I, I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> like you crap? should give it at least a 70 percent based on. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I, I wasn't playing. It's like on... a greatest hits of Metallica album. I right. mean, how could it? Right. <laughs> I wasn't planning on ragging on Pitchfork, but I had okay. the I had the track list up on Wikipedia, and they've got the, like the review scores up above that. And I happened to glance up and see that, and like, all right, I gotta I gotta make fun of Pitchfork here for a sec. But no, no, this is absolutely a must listen. Um, if for basically the exact reasons that John spelled out, like if you're a light Metallica fan and you haven't kept up, this is a really good kind of primer to get you caught up. It's got some of their old hits and new hits combined, and you can kind of see some of the, some of the best stuff they have. And if you are a Metallica fan, you've been waiting for this for a long time. You're probably agonizing on it from like February until July or whenever they finally announced the final release date since they told us last year it was going to be out in February. Those, those, those jerks. No, I, I get it. I know James was going through a lot of stuff with rehab and then COVID hit. So I get it, but man, I'm so glad to finally have it. I can't wait to 
listen to this with some great headphones, like over and over again. And like you said, John, it's going to be in rotation until I am no longer here. Like this is, this is a great album. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening. to never, never land.